Well, hello there, everyone. It's me, Colin Parker, one of the hosts of Timeline Scavengers, and I am here to announce a giveaway. We've been in 1931 for nine episodes now, and we're still going to be here for, well, let's just say quite a bit. So what we would like to do is have you go out to our Twitter account, which is at TimelineScav, and hit us with your best guess as to how many episodes you think it's going to take us to get through seasons, uh, Season 7, Episodes 1 and 2 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. The person who gets the closest will win a free piece of Timeline Scavengers merch. We have a hat, we have a shirt, we have a notebook, and we have a fancy little metal water bottle. So once again, go out to Timeline Scav on Twitter Hit us up on today's post for today's episode with how many episodes you think will be in 1931, and you could win a free piece of merch. I'll see you in the comments section and in today's episode, which begins right now. Welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm James Anderson, one of your hosts. And I'm Colin Parker, your other host. Well, one of your other hosts, rather. Mm-hmm. On this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, until the end of time. And Colin, I yes. have uh, invited this, this episode's guest on, uh, okay. the first groomsman. Uh, of mine to make it onto the show possibly the only one but we'll have to see uh the only one thus far uh sure. it is my friend named mark and uh on unabashedly obsessed we called him my friend mark uh hey mark hey hello thank you for uh letting me crash your show here absolutely uh it's okay we have insurance so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no he totaled the podcast <laughs> Real quick, I, I want to point out, not only am I the only groomsman that has been on the show thus far, I'm also yeah. the only groomsman that did not give you a wedding gift, because in my mind at the time, I thought I was exempt. Yeah. Because I was in the wedding party. And that's thought, why Mark hasn't made me a groomsman at his wedding. So You were like, my presence <laughs> is your gift. Get it? Right. My presence. Yeah, that's... that's... <laughs> Yeah, without without that wicked pun in my head, that's exactly what I thought. Was like, I mean, this is I, I the gift. The tux, I was yes. there, <laughs> and the shoes, the tux and the shoes. Uh, I think we didn't ask you to do the shoes. That was just on you. Uh, um, yeah, you could have well, worn Air true. Jordans, you know. <laughs> then off you could the have wall. had that air, that that uh, vertical leap that you've always wanted. Oh, eight feet. <laughs> Um, Mark is also the person with whom I had my comic book revival back in college or quickly post-college, college College and post-college. Put it this way. When I decided to get into the Avengers right as the Avengers Quinjet was crashing into the Avengers mansion, it was the worst day in Avengers history. Um, (laughs) Mark was the one that I uh, told that sentence to. And then we went to our local comic book store in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Um, Wow. Where yeah. there was a newsletter every time we went every week uh, with what was new and a proverb down at the bottom uh, called Dragon Says. And I was concerned you were going to say like proverb like Bible verse. 
no, no, no. It <laughs> I guess like I wouldn't Dragon put past says, the area, but don't. I, do you remember any of them, Mark? Do you, I can't think of even so a single one. I it, earlier today I thought if I really want to be prepared <laughs> for this evening, and obviously I didn't. <laughs> I um I I've got to go into my closet and dig out those newsletters because they were that they were next week's or that week's releases right and um it was just one piece of paper folded in half yeah and there's a little clip art uh image of a dragon that was yeah. down in the bottom right corner okay. and there was a word bubble and it was it was just, he was just named dragon and it would say dragon says and sometimes it was an innocuous kind of thing about i guess a comic that the yeah. crank, cranky old owner liked but sometimes it was you know a kind of a political mm. kind of thing oh. where you know he would he would sit one was sort of like um this is the christmas season i'm tired of kowtowing to some vocal minority merry christmas <laughs> oh no you know it was that it was it could be it could get it, it could get like that and um it was always like when we when we'd get in the car, I'd pull that out and be like, yeah. "What does Dragon say yeah. this week?" This this comic book owner, if you told me that this comic book owner's son had opened this comic book store, and somehow the father ran, you know how like uh, you know I'm gonna end up walking the dog, like I'm gonna right. end up running the comic book store, I would believe you. This man didn't want to be there. He didn't <laughs> care. It was um, it was just what you want in a particular brand of comic book store. And uh, like, sometimes you want the like, Hey, how's it going? I know everything. And sometimes you want the spider who just what, just pay for it. What? What It's a spider man. Oh God. (laughs) You got J Jonah Jameson running your comic book store. Yeah. (laughs) So Mark, we're talking, um, I wanted you on this episode and then the episode after next for a specific reason. Um, Mm. And, uh, it's because they're going to be the shortest episodes, and I just want to get it over with. So, no. Um, <laughs> uh, this is episode, uh, well, this is the ninth episode of 1931. Um, Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, season seven, episode one. We're still going through the season premiere. You're going to start at uh, 1405, and you're going to end at 1529. Mm-hmm. And here is the synopsis from the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe wiki. Coulson finds a bottle of O'Hara's Scotch whiskey with a swordfish emblem on it. Coulson remembers that before the Strategic Scientific Reserve became S.H.I.E.L.D., there was a safe house near there. He says that the password was swordfish. Mackenzie and Coulson leave to investigate while Shaw and Johnson stay to further analyze the bodies. Shaw then took out the facial reconstruction scanner and stabbed it into one of the bodies. Um, I want to start things off with uh, my favorite quote from Mark... Uh, from uh, what's your name? Colin's favorite character, uh, Deke, Ugh. which is uh, Colin hates Deke with a passion I that burns with Deke. the fire of a thousand suns. Um, I don't even know Deke. He so, was totally new to me. He, yeah, Deke is uh, Mark. Yeah, Mark. Why did you quit watching? Each- I'm just joking. Don't answer that. Um, <laughs> my favorite Deke quote of the thing is uh, Deke is is they, there's all these bottles of whiskey everywhere. He's like, it's whiskey, <laughs> illegal. I knew you guys were messing with me. And I was really tickled by that because you say there's a prohibition, but then there's the first thing you see when you when you go right. anywhere is a is bunch of booze. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it is kind of cool that we're recording this episode while I'm in Nashville. Ooh, Ooh. Mm-hmm. very fun. 
That's true. You wow, you're I was Man, you know what? what? I was life? here. I'm trying to picture a map. You're at like a Louisiana Jones prepped. style map. Yeah, listen, I I'm just traveling all over because if you're listening to this episode, this is uh Monday, September 6th. I am still displaced by Hurricane Ida. So I've just mm-hmm. been, you know, doing a little traveling, just kind of yeah. enjoying my life since I don't have a home right now. <laughs> you were um, born a rambling Colin. I that 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 is true. <laughs> uh did you guys know O'Hara's uh, Scotch whiskey? I don't drink, so I I didn't recognize it. Do you guys know this one? I don't recognize that one. It's a fictional I whiskey. It, I yeah, I was just gonna say. <laughs> but perhaps that be fictional. It's a fictional whiskey that has appeared in Agents of Shield, Agent Carter, Daredevil, The Punisher, Cloak and Dagger, and Hellstrom. Is it something from Marvel Comics? Uh, no, it's nowhere in Marvel Comics. It literally made it up for. Let's see, what's the earliest thing on here? Uh, Agent Carter, maybe. Which would make sense. She she yeah. gives it to uh, what's his name uh, to Dum Dum Dugan. Oh, Dum Dum Dugan. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's specifically the TV realm of the MCU. Looks like it. Yeah, but like the entire TV realm because you got right. it's a like variant cable, whiskey. Netflix, and Hulu. <laughs> yeah, What'd I mean, I'm say, assuming Connor? I said it's a variant whiskey. Um, but I'm assuming like what this means though, is that like what happened was they made like 20 bottles and then they just like had it in the warehouse and someone was like, Hey, can we get these? And they're like, yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I love the, I love the idea of a, of a prop department. That's like, we always use the O'Hara's don't make up your own. The O'Hara's is the thing we've spent a lot of time (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is there anyone related to Marvel with the last name O'Haran? I don't I don't think so. Actually, did you know that Stan Lee's real name was Stanley O'Haran? Oh, Stan uh Stanley Lieber. <laughs> Damn it. All right. Well, that, be that as it may. <laughs> uh I I found a a blog called Inside the Cask, which is about uh alcohol and pop culture. Oh. Um and on uh, November 23rd, 2017, the author and person who runs the blog, Andre de Almeida, um, wrote uh, an article called Top Fictional Scotch Whiskey Brands in TV and Film. Um, <laughs> there were lots of cool things. Lost has a bunch of them because Jack was an alcoholic and stuff. Um, but I was found... there uh, Hennigan's from Seinfeld? Did that show yeah. up? Yep. There was a whole thing about yep. about Hennigan's. I guess this Seinfeld show is sort of taking off, so they were talking about that. Um because <laughs> like everyone likes Seinfeld anyway so there were um, two other brands of whiskey that appear in the MCU um, we got uh, Glen Callen which has also appeared in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Balmore which was in The Defenders so we need to keep our eyes okay. out for, for that okay um, I also took a note on what the facial reconstruction scanner is uh, it says it's able to digitally recreate a person's face based on their DNA, allowing it to be useful when investigating those on whom erasers had been used. Um, they literally, that's thats the whole, there was more to it, but it was sort of more about what happens later in the episode. Those d- also don't appear elsewhere in uh, like Marvel comics or whatever. So this was literally like, all right, we got a, we got a alien people erasing faces. Gotta have a facial reconstruction scanner. I mean, what else do you do? Like, just it, the thing practically writes itself. Um, I want to talk. I have lots of notes about uh, speakeasies and bootleggers. 
Um, and I'm going to talk about bootleggers first because I'm mm-hmm. going to remember to uh, smoothly transition into a story that Mark said that he has about uh, speakeasies. Um, so we'll lead up to that so that all of our uh, expectations can be really, really high. And it kind of goes in with each other, sort of like yeah, sort of sure. like Deke. What if what if you were explaining prohibition to someone that Colin hated in 1931? <laughs> Um, (laughs) all right. So, uh, the first thing, so I I wanted to look up sort of like how people try to get around there not being alcohol allowed. Um, so bootlegging, you know, one of the things is you can smuggle it in from a place like Canada where it's not illegal, but if you are going to stay domestic, you know, America built, whatever, um, you had, you had a couple options. Uh, one thing is that grape juice was not restricted by prohibition. Um, and if you let grape juice sit for 60 days, it would ferment and turn into wine with a 12% alcohol content. Um, Wowzers. Yeah. Um, many folks took advantage of this as grape juice output quadrupled during the Prohibition era. Um, so people were like, they would do what now? And Welch's was like, we're going to make a killing on our stuff that we made specifically to not be alcohol, but that's fine. Um because Welch's uh, was a Methodist. The guy Welch was a Methodist. And so they didn't want to drink uh, alcohol when they took communion. So he made grape juice. That's interesting because yeah. that uh. was the blood of Christ. And he right. gave them that. And they slapped him in the face. Right. Wow. Well, yeah. And he, he was like, this is the non-alcoholic <laughs> in the blood bread. of Christ. That's what they did. And yeah. Um, <laughs> Jesus on a Monday morning, not on a Saturday evening. Um <laughs> No alcohol. Um, there was also a product called Vine Glow. Uh, that is Vine hyphen G L O because it was the 1930s and most letters were extraneous. Um, Cost a lot to print. It, you know? Listen, it, <laughs> reading these 60s Marvel comics and the number of times they use through T H R U, I'm like, I mean, I get it, but drive through. Yeah, drive through. Exactly. That's because of Marvel comics. <laughs> um, did you know that Stanley's real name was Stanley McDonald's? <laughs> Um, I thought you were going to say Stan drive through. <laughs> oh, he spelled it T H R O U G H, though. It's weird. Um, <laughs> uh, so, Vine Glow was sold for the purpose. It was like a, a grape juice called Vine Glow that, that was literally made. It was literally designed to make grape juice wine. In fact, it had a warning on it that told people how to make wine from it. It was like, hey, don't do this because this will make wine and that's illegal. Make sure you don't follow these steps exactly. <laughs> and no one did anything about it? They no, 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 they yeah, for sure did. They oh. absolutely did. That was, yeah. It, um, so then the government, uh, who wants to kill us all, um, wanted always to prevent... Have, always uh, will. Um, they want to prevent bootleggers from using industrial alcohol, which is also known as ethanol, which is the thing that gets you drunk. Um, they wanted to uh, stop people from using industrial ethyl alcohol to produce illegal beverages. So they poisoned the industrial ethyl alcohol. Um, and in response, bootleggers, those those roguish um, ruffians, hired chemists to basically t- uh, boil the poison out. So then the government poisoned it a little more so well we'll we gotta poison them i don't see any other way out of this (laughs) have you tried poisoning them yeah do it again um the treasury department required manufacturers to add to add more deadly poisons including the particularly deadly methyl alcohol or methanol 
uh, consisting of four parts methanol, 2.25 parts pyridine base, and 0.5 parts benzene per 100 parts ethyl alcohol. So benzene gives you cancer, pyridine gives you cancer, and methyl alcohol makes you blind. So don't do that. Hey, don't drink that. Uh, One second. I do need to pour something out real quick. I'll be right (laughs) Colin, no! (laughs) Oh, shit. Where's the sink? Oh, no. Um, New York City medical examiners prominently opposed these policies because, you know, their job, because of the danger to human life. As many as 10,000 people died from drinking denatured alcohol before Prohibition ended. So Prohibition was from uh, 29 to 33? Am I making up those? I have information about Prohibition somewhere. Say, wait, say, say the numbers one more time. 29 to 33? Is that right? I believe... So, because he ends it in 33 for sure. Right. Um, because we've already done that episode. Right. Uh, 1920 to 1933. 1920. Okay. So it was yeah. right. Okay. Then I that, thought it was much. Yeah. Longer. I was like, that, that makes sounds sense. really short. So that's 13 but, years, though. Yeah. 13 years. And 10,000 people died from the government poisoning things. <laughs> Wait till you hear about war. <laughs> New York City Medical Examiner Charles Norris <laughs> believed the government took responsibility for murder. Yeah, when they knew the poison was not deterring consumption and they continued to poison it. <laughs> so Norris said, the government knows it is not stopping drinking by putting poison in alcohol, yet it continues poison, poisoning, pro- yet it continues its poisoning processes, heedless of the fact that people determined to drink are daily absorbing that poison. Knowing this to be true, the United States government must be charged with the moral responsibility for the deaths that poisoned liquor causes, although it cannot be held legally responsible. So... You know, and the government was like, yeah, no, for sure. Would you like a drink? Um, and Charles Norris was like, oh, why? Sh- oh, wait, hang, hang on. No. Um, <laughs> another legal, lethal substance that was often substituted for alcohol was sterno. Um, a fuel commonly known as canned heat. If you've made s'mores inside your house, as I have, you have lit a can of sterno on fire. Um, also, the band Canned Heat uh, takes its name from that. Um, uh they put the sterno through a makeshift filter, such as a handkerchief, uh, which created a rough liquor substitute, but it was poison, though not often lethal. So I guess it was pretty popular and better than the government stuff, which was both. Oh, God. You know, history really is just a huge bummer. Um, now Very let's true. move on to speakeasies, uh, which actually are pretty cool and great. <laughs> They're um, dope. They are. Um, So different names for speakeasies were created, including speakeasy. Uh, The terms blind pig and blind tiger were originated Mm. in the United States in the 19th century. Um, They are these terms. These terms were applied to establishments that sold alcoholic beverages illegally, and they are still in use today. Uh, Here's where that comes from. The operator of an establishment, such as a saloon or bar, would charge customers to see an attraction, such as an animal, like a blind pig or a blind tiger, and then serve a complimentary alcoholic beverage, thus circumventing the law. So you pay for the ticket to see the thing, and oops, I just happened, because I think it was legal to sell, right? Not to just give. I think that that's what the law, the loophole they were jumping through on this one was was that it's like, no, they didn't pay for the booze. They paid for the pig. Well, where's the pig? Oh, we had to kill it. Um, don't look uh, for the pig. It's fine. It was a ban on the production, importation, transportation, and sale of alcoholic beverages. Right. So they weren't importing, producing, or selling. So right. giving it to people is They're fine giving. if you have it. Right. Yeah. The, yeah. Um, 
Um, so it says, this is a quote from, from someone at the time, in desperate cases, it has to betake itself to the exhibition of Greenland pigs and other curious animals charging 25 cents for a sight of the pig and throwing in a gin cocktail gratuitously. Um, and then there's also blind tiger, which is sort of the same thing, but you can also refer to a blind tiger as the following scheme, which is really cool. Uh, and this is from uh, period writing. Um, a drawer runs into a wall of what appears to be a billiard saloon. You pull out the drawer, drop in your change, shove the drawer back, call for what you want, and then pull out the drawer again. And there it is, straight or spiked, just as you'd have it. Nobody is heard or seen. And the blind tiger, apparently without any keeper, works like a charm. I this okay. I was late at night when I was taking these notes, but it was such a delightful image that you're like, all right, here's my 50 cents. Put it in. I'd like a martini. And then you pull it out and like magic, there's your martini. I think that is amazing. <laughs> when I was, when uh, there's a place a couple of blocks from me in, in grad in grad school, when I lived in, in New York called Blind Pig. And it used, that site used to be a speakeasy. Nice. Ooh. And they, uh, they actually had uh, some pretty killer Reuben sandwiches oh nice so it's you go in what? and it's like where so where's the pig here here you want it. uh ch- you want <laughs> chips or, or or fries with it the pig can't see that's... anymore because it's dead yeah that's exactly in right. your mouth chewing being chewed right now they just stood there and commentated on you eating the sandwich <laughs> <laughs> it's like you were right there next to me all the time it's new york it's it's it was art it was uh, performance art um so speakeasies, though illegal, were numerous and popular during the Prohibition years. I have, uh, by 1925, there were anywhere from 30,000 to 100,000 speakeasy clubs in New York City alone. 30,000 to 100,000. So yeah. that's a lot of, that's like, oh, you aren't open? Okay, well, I will go literally to your front room and there's another one, and they are open. (laughs) Um, Some were operated by people who were part of organized crime. Even though police and agents of the Bureau of Prohibition would often raid them and arrest their owners and patrons, they were so profitable that they continued to flourish. The speakeasy soon became one of the biggest parts of American culture during this time. Several changes happened as speakeasies formed. One was with integration. People of all races, black or white, etc you know the racial divide is not just a binary um would gather together and even mingle people would mix together and have few or no problems another change that occurred was more participation from women many businesses would set up their speakeasies to attract women to get more profits women also began to insert themselves into the business of speakeasies uh there was a stage and screen actress named texas guinan I have to pronounce it Guinan because I'm pretty sure that's a TN that TNG was referencing Texas Guinan. Um, Holy shit. Cause she was also a proprietor. Yeah. Of, um, she opened many speakeasies during prohibition, such as the 300 club and the El Fay. She greeted customers with, Hey suckers, which. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> like, that's great. <laughs> amazing. And admitted she'd be nothing without prohibition. Her two biggest competitors were Helen Morgan and Belle Livingston. Um, and then now, um, in all caps above in the text box, we're going to put, this is going to be the lead into Mark talking about speakeasies. Speakeasies <laughs> largely disappeared after prohibition ended in 1933, but the speakeasy style trend began in 2000 with the opening of the bar milk and honey in New York city. Mark, have you ever been to a, a speakeasy recently in your life? Uh, that is part of the speakeasy style trend that began in 2000. 
Why, yes. Just recently on my birthday, I oh, made wow. such a venture. Nice. It's like we're on a talk show. So, tell us, <laughs> so yeah, oh, t- oh, sorry. Tell us about it. This is what, what was it like? But seriously, what was it like? This is this is. So cool. I heard, I heard, I heard something recently <laughs> that you were uh, you were out and about, and uh, you ran into a speakeasy. <laughs> if well, I was right. Jimmy um, Fallon, the moment you open my mouth, I'll just <laughs> lose my mind. I'll go because <laughs> you said a word. Sorry. <laughs> I can't say Jimmy Fallon. Anyway, sorry. There's, I'm starting to get really bitter on this show. I need to fix Colin that. Colin doesn't okay. like fun things. So, that, Mark, no, go ahead. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> but he's loving um, you, Mark. Please continue. Well, I'm, 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 I'm enjoying this. So, <laughs> all right. Um, so, okay. There's this cool place um, up on in the Churchill area of Richmond okay. called mm-hmm. uh, Grand Staff and Stein, and, uh, which sounds like an old vaudeville comedy team. Or like um, a, the the rough draft of uh, Mary Shelley, and early on, and she was like, "Grand Staffenstein? No, yeah, no, 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 no." Yeah, but that's that. Yeah, that's close. And she was like, "That sounds too much like a Sid and Marty Croft character," which you know would also make her, uh, you know, be able to see the future right. if she said something like which, that. Which uh, presumably um, she could. Yes, um, and and I guess like a lot of these other places that have popped up in recent years, you go into a room. And it's basically just like a little library nook, and they have um, the daily password up on their Facebook page. And you know, I, I think they would let That's you awesome. in, even if you you didn't know the password. Oh, I hope not. But but yeah. <laughs> Boo! No, that is yeah. that is not committing to the bit. They should yeah, call like, the cops on you if you try and use the wrong password. <laughs> get out of here, you! <laughs> get out of here, you rat! Um, <laughs> they should beat you senseless if you don't know the password. Or, the, or oh yeah, they just take a blackjack out from under the desk and, and just like <laughs> wail right on your skull. Yeah, you know, um, speakeasies. So, <laughs> so you just give them the password. And last time we went, so I've go, I've been twice. The first time the password was Chicago Lightning, oh, okay. which is apparently slang for mob gunfire. Interesting. Oh, okay. okay. I thought it was going to be a liquor. And, and then... Yeah, I mean that that sounds like some kind of some kind of hooch. Um yeah. and then last time we went the password was cheese it, not the delightful snack. Right, like but the as cops. in cheese it, it's the cops, yeah. right. you know. Perfect. And right. so what I what I love about that is they they commit to the whole old old-fashioned slang and I'm a big fan of trying to bring things back like uh, the cat's meow and Sure. Twenty three skidoo. I, mm-hmm. I I want to work that into <laughs> everyday speech as often as I can. Nice. Well, we expect um, it to be your, so uh, you... part of your sign off. <laughs> what is um, the actual usage of twenty three skidoo? So skidoo itself, without twenty three, just is sort of like cheese it. It's like, hey, hey, fellows, let's skidoo. The like twenty three. Skedaddle, okay. yeah, it's it's just variation on that. I I looked this up once, and the twenty three, that that showed up in some magazine article or something somewhere. <laughs> it was and part I, of and, a and list. It was it was <laughs> <laughs> twenty three skidoo. I like that. Do you guys like that better? I like that better. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's like five zero. Yeah, like twenty three five zero. Like it used to be the code was twenty three because of Maybe. Michael Jordan. I don't know. Um, uh, see, it, that's interesting because He's like the real Chicago Lightning. Because uh, <laughs> um, you know, in Northern Virginia, there's a restaurant called PJ Skadoo's, and I always assumed that Skadoo was just like a dude's last name. Mm. But now I feel like it's like Paul Jacobson, 
skadoos like right. he cheeses it you know and now i'm very <laughs> interested to know what the deal is about that yeah. restaurant name yeah that's awesome i uh we read a, a short story in like ninth grade that included that basically was about like street like child street thugs and then the cops came and they said cheese it jimmy it's the fuzz and i have yes, thought about that classic. uh often whenever i hear cheese it or the fuzz i think about that so I've, or when I've i'm warning my friends that as well I've, I've seen I've, or read that rather as well yeah because i i know that quote like the back of my hand yeah <laughs> cheese it jimmy it's the fuzz um I want to go to our guest, Jen. I have it lower down on my notes, but uh, Mark, we have uh, when we have guests, we ask them a question, um, and I called it a guest, Jen, because I'm me. And uh, here yes. is uh, here's something the... all right. Aw, you too. <laughs> um, so here's the guest, Jen. You find yourself in 1931 New York City. It's illegal to do the to do the alcohol. Do you go to a speakeasy knowing that it's actually illegal, not like Richmond cutesy illegal? So I think you're a bit so, of a rule follower, and I think that maybe laws are not. Well, here, all right, let me let me ask a clarifying okay. question. Oh, well, it's a host, but okay, that's fine. What is. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, am I. So is it present day me who like yeah. finds himself traveling back? Yeah. So you... like I I know now everything about that uh, about that yes. era. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I feel like surprisingly, I think I would. Yeah. I, I think that's too tempting. Yeah. I I think yeah. like you know to to all of all of the legends of of America in the Roaring Twenties and um just jazz music pouring out of every window and sidewalk crevice and you know that kind of thing i i, I feel like yes i i feel like I, I i have to do that yeah especially someone who claims to be such a new york fan right. i can't i can't not do that would you would you you'd order alcohol there too then right no like, i'd not. order shirley temple perfect perfect i love that that's, that's excellent great milk in a dirty glass um yeah <laughs> and now i have a couple of things about prohibition in the marvel comics uh the marvel comics um it was during the time of prohibition that a mobster named machine gun martin escaped prison and was abducted by the scrolls the inhabitants of crawl four fascinated by gangster culture adopted it as their own is that and, machine uh, gun kelly's grandfather Mm-hmm. Chris Martin and Machine Gun Kelly uh, had a baby and sent him back in time to Marvel. You Comics. said Machine Gun uh, Martin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... Chris Martin from Coldplay. Oh, Machine okay. Gun now, Kelly. now yeah. I understand. Okay, sorry. Yeah. I get it. My bad. And it was all skadoo. It was all right. Twenty-three scroll do. Um, boo, 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 yeah, boo. Nah, nah. Boo. I kind of love it. I kind of love it. I'm gonna support myself on that one. Good job, James. Um, <laughs> also during this time, uh, the Canadian hero Logan who we've seen before in our historical journey through time um, when he was part of the War of 1812, Logan happened across a young vampire hunter named Eric Brooks in New York City and saved his life from a, from a, from a marauding vampire, the worst kind of vampire. Um, <laughs> the Punisher, with the help of Reed Richards, traveled back in time to 1929 to kill Al Capone. Oh. 
Interesting. You know, it's a punisher. It's sort <clears throat> of like you got a free Sunday, and uh, um, while you're eating it, you think about killing Akabun. Um, around this time, Logan also worked as a bootlegger, bringing hooch down from Canada to Chicago or Minnesota. He ran afoul of Al Capone, who was using Victor Creed as a hitman, that is, Sabretooth. Damn, um, that's tight. Yeah. Capone and Creed lured Logan to the site of the infamous St. Valentine's Day Massacre, which he barely survived. Logan wow. had another encounter with rival bootleggers in Minnesota while working with his friend Elias from the Great War. Elias was killed by the mobsters, and Logan tried to fulfill his last request of getting Elias's four kids to safety at their aunt's farm. In South Dakota, Logan was gifted with a motorcycle for his efforts, protecting the kids, possibly his first motorcycle. Ooh. So, Logan's first motorcycle by um, Mattel. Um, <laughs> and that is all. That's all I have before the final segment. Um, Mark, you watched this. Uh, did you have any thing that occurred to you or that you wanted to talk about that we haven't already talked about no not specifically that's fine actually i i do i do have one quick question actually earlier we're talking about you know would you get a drink at a speakeasy Mm -hmm. now you know it's it's okay if your answer is i don't know enough to answer that which is okay do you have like a drink of choice that you would go for at the speakeasy because like my favorite like cocktail is uh, is an old fashioned, which back then they would have just called a fashioned, right? right. Um, the fashion of the time, right? So I'm, you know, I'm basically I'm wondering like when you walk into that speakeasy, like, and you get up to that bar, what are you saying, you know, like to fill your cup with? You know, that makes me wonder, like the era in which certain drinks were invented, mm-hmm. like. Like, number one, would they know what a Manhattan is? And number two, would that be way too on the nose? <laughs> you know? I don't know. Manhattan was... I'm just going to really quick see if I can Google when it started. Uh, 1870. Oh, yeah, this is the one where everyone says they invented the Manhattan. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, the, the Manhattan, like, it's like, there's like six paragraphs of, no, and then this person said, no, it was me. Um, yeah, it looks like you would have been, you would have been fine for that being a thing. Um, okay. I, yeah. I, I feel like it would be something, something like that. They used Canadian whiskey during prohibition. Would that be a, a, a deal breaker? No. Okay. All right. No, I'm, I'm good with that. All right. Good. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Hey, that's a fair yeah. answer. I mean, you know, you take the E out of the whiskey and sometimes people say you take, uh, take all the spirit out of the spirits, you know? So, uh, Mark, how we like to end uh, these episodes about 1931 uh, is by exploring the music of 1931. Oh. Today's uh, music of 1931 is by Skip James, and the song is Devil Got My Woman. Um, We talked about uh, I'm So Glad by Skip James James back on the second episode of 1931. Um. So this is a song that uh, this was the first song that Skip James recorded in 1931 for Paramount Records, and also the first song he sang at his historic Newport Folk Festival performance in 1964. Uh, he had just been re- rediscovered in June of that year in Tunica, Mississippi, in a Tunica, Mississippi hospital, with only a borrowed guitar. James opened his 15-minute set with you know the opening lines of the song, which is "I'd rather be the devil, I'd rather be the devil than to be that woman's man." Um, he took up guitar around 1917 under the tutelage of a guy named Son Stuckley, who played a piece called Devil Got My Woman. So, but there was a different 
song with the same title. So uh, it says, James's music never had the uplifting entertainment value of others like John Hurt or Charlie Patton. I'm assuming that is John Hurt, um, not the noted actor, probably. Um, <laughs> instead, although his uplifting, his performances are uplifting. Uh, instead, James's goal was to startle with his musicianship and emotional tones. Um, in 1924, he suffered a near breakdown when his short-lived marriage ended with his wife running off with a male friend. Though James knew the title "Devil Got My Woman" from his, you know, mentor having that a song of the same name, it could it says it could also be a cold assessment of that event. Um, and when he auditioned for H.C. Spear in Jackson, Mississippi, to become part of Paramount Records, he only needed two stanzas of "Devil Got My Woman" to get a two-year recording contract with Paramount Records. And though James's hard time killing floor blues was revived in the movie Oh Brother Where Art Thou, Devil Got My Woman remains the quintessential Skip James song. So that is Skip James with Devil Got My Woman, uh, and that is the music of 1931. And Colin, like a dealer showing his hands at the end of a of a shift, I am out. I sure wish I could skip James. Uh, am I right, Mark? No, but seriously, do edit me heavily in this episode. I'm feeling very sorry. You're of fine. Okay. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for us. So we're going to run out. But before we do, I'd like to remind you that this show has a Twitter account, which is at Timeline Scav. You can also find that same username on Instagram where James and I share uh, what we call, well, tentatively, we're calling mm. the break room. We haven't really decided yeah, on it. it the the jury's still out. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's still out there. But we uh, we put up panels from comics that we're reading that week or recently. Um and you can find all of those, again, also at Timeline Scav. We're also part of the Scavengers Network, which you can check out at ScavengersNet on Twitter or scavengersnetwork.com. Uh, you can also find the uh, artist who made the music at the beginning and end of this show, Nick Bramald. Uh, and he is on Twitter at nbramald, M-B-R-A-M-A-L-D. And his website is nickbramaldcomposer.co.uk. Um, and, uh, oh, and my personal Twitter, of course, is at Colin M. Parker. My recommendation for you today, though, is to check out a show that's, uh, hosted by the Scavengers Network. Uh, it's technically now a defunct show. I don't know if we consider it fully, I don't know how we, what the legal term for this would be. Are you talking about Unabashedly Obsessed? Yeah. It's not defunct. It's just on, it's on sort of whenever we think about doing an episode we do an episode sorry it is on indefinite hiatus <laughs> there it is uh, unless they choose to not be um yeah unabashedly obsessed and there are two episodes according to james that have our guest mark on them so i'm going to drop a link in the description on where you can find that show and find oh. more of mark oh thank thank you mark do you have a recommendation was... for which show which one of the shows they should check out which one of the two? Yeah, that that, that I me start in. Yeah, um, start. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's you were there. Me and I was there, and then the two yeah. of you were. We were in your house, me. so like, yeah, yeah. We were flanking um, you. That's actually absolutely true. Yeah, um, I I feel like the first discussion was a little more freewheeling and and loose. Um, that so so what's your whistle with that one? And okay. if if yeah. you if you like what. If you like that, then check out the other one. Was the was the second one the more intense one? Yes, yes, yes. The second one we've actually gotten people saying that it was really cool to listen to Mark uh, because it really helped them uh, feel normalized in their own 
uh, struggles in a particular way. But uh, no, 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 yeah, listen to the first one because no, but they're both very good. Mark is a, is a is an excellent guest, as you all have seen, uh, and you should become a huge fan and make him unable to say no when we ask him to be a guest. Well, thank you, and I will give you a little preview. We do touch upon Marvel in that episode. Oh, nice, nice. Ooh. Specifically, Marvel masterpiece cards and uh, and unusual or, or I guess noticeable renderings of genitalia that we just kind of had to we had to comment upon. The old times of Marvel got just buck wild with a lot of stuff. <laughs> Specifically, Iceman. Wasn't there a car or a picture of Iceman we looked at, <laughs> and we were we were just sort of bowled over by just ice dong. His is his by the, his sort of like balls? the bulge, the the snow. <laughs> yes. Thank you. I was like going through my Rolodex of is ice of cubes what... better. I, I don't know. <laughs> no, no okay. snowballs. No, snowballs is really funny. Yeah. Oh man. Well done. Well, we'll have to do some more research and come back to you with a. Uh, Iceman snowball. That's, that's a condition we call testatella. That's uh, testes and patella. Oh god! So, together. Mark, do you do you social media? Do you do Twitter and stuff? Can people find so you? So I um I have an account I have not been active on for a while on Twitter, but I will throw it out there because I am striving to be active. It is the post producer, which is tied to a blog that is also kind of it's been long inactive um but i'll just throw that out there for now um i'll i'll randomly put up little quick movie reviews things like that very cool and, and mark uh, produced the movie the post with tom hanks and Meryl stream no that's true that's mm-hmm. correct i can't skip james unfortunately so james Yay! where can people find you fun <laughs> I'd rather uh, be with the devil than to not tell you that my All social right, well, media. Thank you so much for. No, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can find me on Twitter at Unabashed James um, if you want. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us here on this episode of Timeline Scavengers. As always, I'm Colin Parker. I'm James Anderson. And I'm and I'm Mark. Cheers to Colin. It's the fuzz. Twenty-three skadoo. Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.